How will the world meet growing energy demand while reducing emissions? What technology, human capital, policy, and education is needed to making the energy transition a reality? What are the myths and hard truths about all forms of energy, our environment, and our economy? The Voices of Energy sets out to explore these questions with the people at the heart of making these changes a reality. We'll go from conversation to application by focusing on actionable strategies that will drive the world and our industry into a new era. I'm Katie Maynard, founder and CEO of Ally Energy, and this is the Voices of Energy. Lisa Barian, founder and CEO of COI Energy, has over 25 years of experience in the electric power and smart grid space. From working at electric utilities to smart grid, clean tech, and big data analytics, Salisa has had a diverse career in the energy space. She practices the platinum rule in all that she does, do unto your customers as they would have you do unto them. Since 1996, Salisa provided over 50 scholarship funds for high school and college students. In 2004, she established the Carl H. Lewis Engineering Impact Alumni Endowment at the University of Pittsburgh for minority students enrolled in engineering, with four scholarships dispersed to date. Salisa holds a degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Pittsburgh and is an executive MBA from St. Joseph's University. She's been a guest speaker at various conferences and events, including South by Southwest, Florida's Women in Energy Leadership Forum, the American Society for Engineering Education, and Morgan Stanley's Sustainable Futures Summit. In 2019, she was appointed to the Board of Trustees at the University of Pittsburgh. Wow, a lot to say, but a lot of richness in the person that is joining me here today. Thank you, Salisa, for being here on the Voices of Energy podcast. Thank you, Katie. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today. Well, we are so excited. We are doing this amazing series called The Female Execs of Climate Tech. And we just joined Greentown Labs. I'm getting to know all of the amazing women that are doing good things in clean tech and in clean energy. So let's get into this. We will go through kind of some rapid fire questions, and then we'll get into your background and we'll have some other questions and then we'll wrap up. You ready? Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Okay. Morning or night? Are you a morning person or a night? I don't know. I got you. I got you. Night. (laughs) Midday, maybe. So (laughs) night. (laughs) Night. She's nocturnal. We're not, she's not up just yet. You can tell I'm not even up yet. It's night. It's night. (laughs) All right. Favorite place you've traveled? Oh God, there's so many. Um, so domestically, I love Martha's Vineyard. That's my place of serenity. And um, outside of the United States, one of the best places that I went and traveled was Accra and Ghana. And I just love it for the bountifulness of the people and the natural resources. Nice. Favorite or most recent book you've read? Becoming. by Obama and uh, Michelle Obama. And it was just amazing. I mean, just from a personal and professional perspective. Excellent. All right. So what new hobby have you picked up during the pandemic? (laughs) So you probably just heard in the background, um, a dog. I'm walking dogs. 
<laughs> Walking my own dog. I, I had two. So um, now I'm in a city. So I just have one with me. And uh, that's something new for me. Um, and it's been interesting because I've met a whole lot of people doing that. Well, and I bet the doggies love it. Okay. Person you would most like to meet? I got to tell you, um, it was like two people, Mother Teresa. And because like all the work that she did and, and just her humility and everything, um, just looking at where we are in the world today, I think we need more people like her. And I just like to get in her head and just kind of understand how she just figured out the woman she was that she had to, you know, she was equipped with the resources to do what she did and she did it. And so I'm inspired by her. By her. Awesome. All right. So tell me, I mean, I read this amazing bio. Tell me how you got into climate technology. <laughs> the short of it is, so I'm a mechanical engineer, University of Pittsburgh. Woohoo! Shout out to my alma mater. So I did um, internships at Allegheny Power when I was uh, in school. But the heart of how I really got into climate tech, it starts from the beginning of like just me growing up as a kid and experiencing energy poverty. And I remember as a kid, just looking at the utility people as being our savior, because whenever they would come and turn back on the power, something just would happen to me. Like, like there was this change and it was like this, I don't even know the exact word to put on it, but it just felt like the future was possible when I had power. And when we were in the dark, you know, it was like a time of like low confidence, depression, not feeling that you got that, that I could achieve anything. And it was embarrassing because people would know that we didn't have power. You know, it's so interesting you talking about that because in February here in Texas, we had almost a complete failure across the state and we were exposed during the, the winter storm I get chills actually listening to you talk about how um, power really gave you something, right? Um, obviously, the, the utility. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of frustration around this. We're getting ready to enter the warmest season on record. I don't say that lightly because I've been a hurricane survivor myself here in Houston. And so I'm sure you have kind of an opinion on this. Like, why do you think this continues to happen? And what do we need to do to shore up our, our energy grid? Yeah. So Katie, I, you know, when I think about you and all the other people in the great state of Texas, it, you know, it's like my heart just goes out because I know what the feeling was not having power as a kid. And just to know that there was something to avoid people experiencing blackouts, it's just heart wrenching. So you know, when I think about the situation there, there is a whole lot that could have been done differently. Maybe there would have been some short outages, but it wouldn't have been the catastrophe that you guys all experienced. And just starting from just, you know, the fundamentals of making sure that you have the capacity resources, you have the weatherization stuff that you need to do, like just the basics, especially when you knew in advance that this was going to happen, like the temperatures. And so, this could have been avoided. And the work that I do is all focused on preventing blackouts and brownouts. And so COI Energy, uh, we're digital and I'm not trying to do a plug for us, but I just want to just kind of yeah. tell you what we do. I was going to ask you about it, but you know, when yeah. you 
conversation about how you got into this. Yeah. So we're a digital energy management platform that detects and eliminates energy waste in order to repurpose that waste for good. And when I think about good, um, and it all goes back to like, like really why this is all important to me. So one of the repurposes of a good is to help optimize the electric grid to make sure that the electric grid is resilient because when we waste, then you have problems that become a domino effect. It doesn't only just affect the, the business that's wasting, it affects the community, it affects the environment, and it, it affects the grid because it makes it more fragile. And so we also repurpose that waste to reduce carbon emissions because when you get buildings more optimized, you're reducing their kilowatt hour consumption, which reduces their carbon footprint. But the last piece, which you probably know is near and dear to me, is that we uh, repurpose, and we call it KW for good, in order to give equitable access to clean energy solutions to those marginalized communities that I came from. And so when you look at the ecosystem, a lot of time people just think about certain segments and they're like, you know, like if they just do their part. No, but it's the whole ecosystem. Like you can't leave out a third of the population and think that we're going to achieve these big audacious goals that we have in riding this ship with climate change. It's not going to happen. We all have to be a part of it. And that includes those communities that have the the frail infrastructure. And, And because of their socioeconomic status, they don't have the resources to upgrade, to become more efficient. And I think if we repurpose some of the stuff that we're wasting, you know, we can try to take care of the whole ecosystem, which will take us to that next level. And then on a national and a global level, we will be really get into what we call zero emissions. You know, like I know there's all these plans uh, like net zero, neutral, like all these different words that are out there. But the work really needs to be put in for us to get to where we say we really want to be. Yeah, you know, I'm just listening to you. And so if I may be vulnerable with you, because I've never really, I guess I haven't been vulnerable on my own podcast, but after hurricane or during hurricane Harvey, the federal government had to flood my neighborhood to save the rest of Houston. And my daughter and I had to be rescued in a boat and all of that. And I will never forget because we were not insured, but very lucky. We are very blessed. Remember feeling like for a split second, if this is how someone has to live with just what they have on their back, the lack of access, the lack of help, this is becoming a problem. Because if you look at it, everyone's getting impacted by climate change, even the wealthy. And so when we eradicate wealth, even from the highest, you know, the the richest people, right? The the people with means and people who don't have means, where is that going to get us? Right? right. Anything, right? It's just going to get worse. So it feels, um, just listening to you talk about it, my daughter the other night broke out in tears, broke out in tears. Mommy, I want to go and find a homeless person to give them a meal. And when we were rebuilding our home, we had to go between the apartment and the house. And one night we were on our way back out 
and she saw a homeless man under the freeway. She said, at least we have a broken home. So I think when we talk about lack of access and lack of resource and lack and lack, and then when you look at something like Texas and you're like, greatest state state in the nation, the heartland of the energy capital of the world, almost, right, on the brink of being out, it says we have a serious problem. So like, congratulations for you taking something from your roots and turning it into something that's impactful because it's solutions like this that's going to help us move forward. And I love these stories I get to hear from women about their experiences because I didn't grow up poor. I grew up blessed, but I started a company called Ally, named after my daughter, Ali, (laughs) because I want to make sure like you, that nobody is left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the system's not working for everybody. It's time That's to right. right? So, oh, wow. Yeah, Thank- and when I look at the pandemic, I think the pandemic has amplified the fact of oh, yeah. if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're middle class, <laughs> we're all breathing the same air. And so we're all interconnected. So if I don't have a mask, I can potentially negatively impact your life. And so when we look at it from that perspective, it's not about, oh, these people don't have a mask. We got to figure out how do we help those people get a mask? And so I remember when the the pandemic first started uh, and we started closing things down back in March, April of last year, people were like, look at those people out there. You know, how dare they walk without a mask? And what my company ended up doing is we ended up purchasing masks to give to those marginalized communities. Because it's between a meal and a mask. Which one are you going to take? I'm going for the meal. And so instead of us complaining about it, it was like, let's be the solution. And so a lot of people don't look at the fundamentals and say, okay, why don't they have a mask on? Like, it's, 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 it's bigger than like, you know, what we think is right in front of us because we're so blessed to have a mask. And so I think, you know, when we share our stories, even the story you sh- um, shared about what you went through with the hurricane, um, those stories help people become more enlightened and understand that it's not people that are out there just trying to be like anti whatever. It's just because they don't have, you know. And so when we decided to partner with housing authorities and NGOs um, and utilities to give these communities access the one housing authority that I, that we're working with, they're like, we need weatherization. That's a basic thing. Right. And it's like, you know, government funding does some of it, but it doesn't cover it all. And so how could we make these homes more resilient? So when these communities, these families are trying to make it through a storm, like happened in Texas, you know, all of a sudden they're freezing and they have nothing to combat the elements. You know, so the the alternative is like their life. We got to look at it from another perspective. And I believe fundamentally, if we start eradicating waste, the waste that we have yeah. can make a big dent in some you. of these problems. I'm with you. I'm I'm sitting here and it's it's so surreal that we're having this conversation because the the AC man is here. We had to put in a brand new AC system because it's 20 years old. It was starting to act up. And I was like, I am not going into the summer 
And I mean, <laughs> we all know that we're going to lose power at some point. I mean, the, the reliability of the grid right now is in question. There's a lot of issues going on. It's getting hot. It's getting, we're moving into storm season. Last week, you do not want to know what I spent on a new unit and to weatherize. And you know what I said to myself? It, it actually made me a little depressed, like my poor kid, you know, who's just crying uncontrollably about, you know, people without homes. I said to myself, so what do you do in the summer if your AC goes out? Well, I go to my friends, right? We go to our friends. What do people who don't have, right, friends or, or resources do? You know, they die, right? Or they suffer. So it makes you really think about the net effect. And you're right. There's so much we waste. I mean, after years of not tracking my footprint, now I'm like, okay, you know, I got my carbon calculator, right? I love what you're doing. It's just great to hear the, the story because I think, you know, we can take our situations. All of us have, we all come from a place, right? And we all have something. That's right. We can make them into something, right? And we can make the world a better place. Or we can say, you know, where we were. And I just, I love hearing about what you've been able to do, what COI is doing. And so we know what your why is because, you know, we normally ask, like, what is your why? I mean, clearly we know your why. I'm curious, two things, and then we can wrap up is, you know, have you had a female role model or maybe a male? model, some, you know, role model in your career that has helped you to get to where you are today? Yeah. So I'm going to give you the honest answer. So in my career and energy, I, (laughs) this story bothers me until this day. I remember starting at the first utility I worked at and they hired a bunch of us engineers and we're in what we called (laughs) in the utility space, marketing and sales group, but we were really sales engineers and we'd go out to customers and let them know what they need to do to improve the efficiency of their operations or their buildings. And they told us all that we needed to meet with the different leaders, have conversations, and then ask them to be your mentor. I was the only black and the only female in my group. And Literally everyone I asked did not step up to be a mentor. And I remember during that time, and I'm straight out of college, so early 20s, I started thinking there was something wrong with me. Like, because my colleagues are all bragging about, like, you know, their mentor and how like they're exposed them to this. They're going out golfing together. And I had no one. And it was like that for several years. And so I started engaging more into the community. The one thing that that utility did do for me is that um, there was a leadership program. So it was called Leadership Wilkes Fair, which is a national thing where there's the leadership programs in the different cities. I got engaged in the leadership program. My company did sponsor me. And I was able to develop relationships with people in the community that I could look up to. But I had no real role model and energy until one of my colleagues that worked at the same company in another division, when I moved to that division, she and I became friends. And then she went on to go to another utility. And when she went on as a leader at this other utility, she called me and says, hey, Salisa, would you join my team? That's when I started getting like kind of some exposure to a female leader. But when we were at the other utility, we were kind of basically at the same level. 
And then she got promoted up and, you know, and then from there, but it, yeah, it was really hard. Um, and I tell people, I go to a lot of energy conferences and they have these roundtable discussions. And I remember being at this uh, one conference two years ago before the pandemic happened and everyone's laughing and joking. It was like, yeah, these young people, they need to stand up and ask for their mentors because, you know, we're not coming to them. They got to come to us. And I had to raise my hand and I says, wait, no. And then I told them my story. And they're like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, that's a reality for, for a lot of underrepresented people in this field. And I said, this is a white male dominated field. So there's not a lot of people that look like me. And a lot of them aren't putting their hands up to say, I want to mentor this person because there's nothing wrong with the fact that people don't do it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we do what we're used to. So if my circle is, you know, all white males, that's my circle. And that's what I'm used to. And that's where our biases come in, but it's not because we're bad people. It's just how we're brought up. And so I don't look at it negatively, like when someone doesn't take on someone. I just think it's an educational process for people to recognize that, no, the minority person isn't a bad person. It's just that there's no one that looks like them in this industry. So it's hard for them to get mentors. And so if people won't step up and look outside of their their, their spectrum and see that, then, you know, you're always going to have this ecosystem with the underrepresented and like not the percentages aren't there because they don't get the support and they leave. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had conversations with women about this and obviously get mixed reviews. I hear the good stories and then I hear the, the stories that break my heart because it gets back to, we all come from somewhere and I'll be honest with you, you know, I don't think that the men that founded the energy industry in Texas intentionally said, those women, those people, they can't be involved. Our society was in a different place. I mean, That's right. we we're totally in a different place, right? Our history, you look how far back when the Wild Wild West was, was settled, coal, you know, oil and gas. And that's why it's important with this energy transition that, you know, we make sure that it's a just transition, right? That the principles of, of America is, is equality, right? You know, and that's what we stand for. So it's a chance to get it right, right? And it's a chance to get it right for our kids and for the next generation. And speaking of them, what would you tell a young person? What would you tell my alley, please? Because I'm trying to explain to her what mommy does and she she kind of understands I think what would you tell a young person about getting into energy yeah Allie what I would tell you is that energy is all around us no pun intended and so power people make a difference and a lot of times we're not exposed to that, um, especially as women and females. So as young girls, I recommend every young girl, like really try to see if, if they like math and science to get into like the STEM fields and the STEM after school programs and participating in shadow programs. I did that when I was in 11th grade. I wish I would have done it a little bit earlier, but I, I did it in 11th grade and it gave me some exposure to engineering. So I would just recommend that they look at what's going on and look at these young girls that are out there just making it a difference in the climate space. And they're, they're using their voice. Everybody sees energy differently. And so however you see it, let that be the fire for you to make a difference. 
Wow. Okay. I can't wait. We'll have to definitely sit down and have that conversation. I was just so proud of her the other night when children are interesting characters, but when she just broke out in tears and I had to comfort her and, and she just, she looked at me and she said, mommy, the world is not fair. And I said, Oh, if I've taught you anything <laughs> like this is good seeing the legacy, right. You know, yes. these children are, well, let's hope that they're, let's hope that they are joining our world better than what we get. That's what it was supposed to be. So let's, that's hope right. Right you know, drive this clean energy revolution forward. And the last question I have for you, little, little uh, pop question is, what do you love about Greentown? Oh my God. Oh my God. Amazing community. I mean, I should have been there from the beginning, like of my <laughs> company. When I think about a community that's super supportive, that understands your problems because it's energy and it's climate tech, just to be in a place that you're speaking the same language and people don't look at you like you're foreign. And having someone hear a challenge that you may have and then speak up and say, hey, you know, I might have a solution here or did you consider this? <laughs> There's not enough money in the world that can pay to replace that kind of experience. And it's been amazing for me. I love the community. I love the leaders. I love the other startups that we're interacting with. And some of us are in a competitive space, but we don't act competitively against with each other. We support each other. And, and that's what I love about this community that Greentown Labs has created. Um, they, they understand what it means to truly build an effective, efficient ecosystem that is making a difference, not just locally, not just nationally, but globally. Hot damn. Well, I'm moving in tomorrow. So <laughs> there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to meet you. I guess you're in, are you, are you, are you in Houston or are you up in uh, Boston? We're in Boston, but guess what? We're coming to Houston. We're going to try to help out with some grid stuff down in Texas. So yeah. So awesome. Okay. Well, awesome. So I got to see you at the new place, the new digs, and we're all moving in. Ally Energy will be there and we would love to host you for a Texas lunch down here in the Houston and South. Yeah, sorry about that, y'all. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited to meet you. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Greentown is amazing. They've been great to us. We found our fit. I've always been different. So the different girl is joining all the different other girls and guys. So yeah, let's see. Let's see. Wait, let me see if you can see this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard putting this. How do you? What, it, what does it say? It says, "Think what? like a freak." All right. And this uh, is a book that I'm starting to read now because I've been different my whole life and never thought I was different. But hearing people talk about like, "Oh, she's kind of quirky. She's kind of like weird. She's kind of strange," and we are different, and we need to embrace that. And I and being in Greentown. You get to be with a whole lot of people that are just like us. So that that's the cool thing oh, about it. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for your time. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. And it's Delisa Varian with C-O-I Energy. Check it out on the web. And look me up when you get down here, um, sister. We can't wait to have you. Thank you. Have a great one.